We'll have some. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like every time I pour one of these Imperial Stouts into a glass, you know what I mean? With the wax tip and everything. Like, dude, mm. I get it. I get it. You just want to keep all the stuff in there. But to Did be honest, I, uh, I had to get a head start on this. Just, all you gotta all you gotta do is just tell me. It's barrel H. And you know what? I'm probably I'm probably gonna get it. Did I had like to get that. a head start before we even got set up here because this it was so thick. Like, look at all I peeled off of this thing. Ah, it's craziest. And this is how much is still on there. <laughs> you ain't never getting in, and that beer's never getting out. It's like soft. Dang, dude. I, I had one, uh... Oh, the bottles we made, uh, that we did with Barreled Souls. Um, mm -hmm. they re-dipped some of those because they said they didn't like the smell or something of the, the first batch. So we had a bunch of bottles that had, like, two full layers of wax on them. It was almost not worth fighting through the wax. I was like, this is just live forever until the wax dries. I got this little, this little like wine thing with a little, little seal cutter on it. And dude, I mean, I was, I was making like, just like, you know, like I was like Johnny Appleseed, just using my thumb to guide it. And I'm like, dude, I'm gonna slip and this thing's gonna come. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna lose my thumb here. It's okay though. This is my little, my little pirate dude. Yeah. With his little, uh, his little pirate leg. <laughs> and his little uh, eye patch right there. Oh boy, yeah. look at that. Oh yeah, you can see it at the, the bottle up at the top. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's what we used to open to put things in our cup this week. Season 4, yeah. episode 16, Stats Don't Matter. NFL Conference Championship recap, Super Bowl 58 preview in our cups this week. Barely Stout from Charlton Mass. Shout out Treehouse and a mm. barley wine from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Shout out Holmes and Horace. Follow us on Instagram at Stats Matter on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things whiskey, beer, sports, humor, politics, and sports. Shut up and dribble. No. My <laughs> Stats No Matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the motherfucking show. All right, let's go. All I can think about was <laughs> whores. <laughs> Sorry, let me sit on That's right, I said it. I'm, I'm at Horus. Horus. Yeah. Horizable. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, because what's the place in Kentucky? Louisville, right? I would call it Louisville. There's lots of places in, in Kentucky. Yeah, but like, I, guess, I guess you can't call it that. Like, the people who are from there are like, no, don't call it that. Louisville. Louisville. I'm like, what? They just, you just yeah. throw it all together. There's like fucking three vowels there. <laughs> Louisville. All right, cool. Whatever, dude. It, it reminds me of that Bob Marley joke. Like, they don't call it Lebanon. They call it Lebanon. Well, they should put an N in it then. They shouldn't put a fucking O at the end of it. <laughs> Dude, uh, some of those accents, like when you get down into like deep Louisiana, some of that, was it Creole or whatever they call it? Yeah, Asian. Crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm not using proper glassware for this. I'm using just a regular beer glass, so nobody can hate me. Uh, I'll dive right in, I guess, because I haven't had a, a good beer in some time fighting off whatever this is. Wink. You can still <laughs> you can still hear it in my uh, my voice a little bit, but uh, <clears throat> I am drinking uh, courtesy of Sam's Beer Stork a Holmes and Horace collaboration called Therapod Number Five, and it's a bourbon barrel aged barley wine. Now, the tricky part about this is there's literally no indicator on this thing. What the hell is in this? what it's aged in or anything. So uh, this is going to be a, <clears throat> a nice little fun surprise, I think. 
Uh, anyway, it's a barrel-aged barley wine, right in my wheelhouse. I do love a good, uh, do love a good barley wine, and I feel like it's one of those underappreciated styles uh, that I'm thankful to have <coughs> a couple bottles in my basement. Sorry for coughing in here. I can't hit the mute button in time, uh, <laughs> but I'm dying. It's fine. Um, all right, let's try this beer real quick. I'm gonna look it up while I'm I'm sampling. I like the cup. I got a big tall one, so the whole bottle fits in there. Yep. Glass. Wow, that game. is. Uh, I mean, it's inter- I mean, flavor wise, it's good. It's got a very interesting mouth feel that I I'm having a hard time putting my finger on. It's uh like the first word that comes to mind is slimy, but that's not it's got like a creamy mouthfeel to it, which is strange because it has almost like a similar thickness to it. Mm-hmm. Not but not, it's not it, normal for a barley wine, right? Is it usually like well, I mean it could be. A lot I mean some barley wines come out a little bit more like carved up so they're uh they got more of like a i don't know that sort of bubbly uh sort of aer- aerated flavor to it or, or feel to it this doesn't like it there's almost like no carbonation yep. in here whatsoever uh i don't i don't hate it it's just man i can't i can't figure out wh- how i feel about it <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna blame uh, your taste buds still being uh recovering from no, flavor wise, it's it's phenomenal. It's uh, all right. So it's a little. It's got a touch of that uh, barley wine barrel aged sweetness that tends to come out whenever you have a barrel aged barley wine. I don't know what it is that causes it to end up sweeter, but it's got a very very sweet punch to it. Now look up. It's aged in Austin Nichols bourbon barrels uh for 27 months now i've never had god damn yeah i've never had uh austin nichols so i can't vouch for how close this is or isn't to um to that bourbon but it's really good i mean it's got a 4.45 on on untapped people still use untapped (laughs) just checking Um, unbelievable unbelievable yeah so i'm gonna I've been checking you in at every single beer on this episode, Dick. <laughs> Dude, this one, uh, I don't know I haven't, I haven't signed into the app in like two years. Um, man, this thing is throwing me off. Like flavor wise, it's really good. Mouthfeel is just kind of freaking me out a little bit. Uh, I'm still gonna give it like a a, a four two. Um, flavor wise, it's good. It's a little like it's a touch sweet. Like if I'm gonna mm-hmm. drink, I'm gonna finish this entire bottle. It's going to be very very sweet by the time I get to the bottom of this thing. Um. And the sweetness kind of mutes some of that barley wine flavor that you're you're really hoping comes through. Um, doesn't taste as strong as what some barley wines would be. And it also mutes a lot of what the bourbon, I would imagine, coming through this is. But it's difficult not having this bourbon before or know generally what it's supposed to taste like. But it's just a... Uh, I mean, it goes down way too smooth. I've already drank like a... A third of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is It is good. Uh, it's just, it, it's extremely sweet. I feel like there's a lot of sugar or, like, brown sugar or something in here. I don't know if it's been adjunct or 
or what but um i don't know it's it's good it's I, I, you, you keep I, I saying it <laughs> I, yeah i can't figure out it's i'm perplexed while you're while you're talking i'm gonna i'm gonna think of like a, a good adjective to to describe what this thing is but interesting for uh, for what i give it a four two four three four two yeah four two four two i'll stick uh, with this, that it's barely just down i got uh 14 alcohol by volume no name on it uh the outside looks like uh play-doh sleeping on a moon supposedly supposedly it's been Asian Pappy Van Winkle barrels. We will see. Uh, just like your barley wine, not a ton of uh, not not a ton of head on it. Did you say uh, Plato like the philosopher or like yeah. the yeah Plato like the philosopher kids toy? Uh, uh, yeah, not fucking kids toy. <laughs> Can you make kids toys in Pappy? Come on now. Woo. <clears throat> All right. Wow. Okay. You know, sometimes, oh, it's still burning. It's still burning. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you, uh, when you have like a whiskey or, uh, or, or especially like a scotch, right? And like, you just, this is going to sound super re- weird. So just pause, but you hit it raw, right? You, you don't, you don't have any warm up drinks. You just, you just, instead of sipping it or put it on the rocks, like you just kind of, you shoot it, right? It was like, ah, it's been one of those days. And then, like, immediately, you're like, what did I just do? Right. Uh, and then your throat is like, we are on fire, asshole. You should not have done that. And your stomach is like, what is going on? And meanwhile, that, that scotch is just going down. Your esophagus is like a slip inside. Time to party, bitches. That's kind of what I feel like with this beer. Like, it is an imperial stout, and it tastes exactly like an imperial stout up front, right? Smooth, chocolatey. Um, Got a very nice malt backbone to it. And the minute that you finish swallowing it, fire, straight fire. It's almost like, hello, acid reflux. Here we are. Um, that being said, I've had Pappy before. Um, and I think that this would have been, maybe isn't the barrels a little too long? It's not, it's, it's fire, but it's not as straight fire as I was expecting it to be. I'm not totally disappointed, but just kind of like you're saying, it's, it's a little weird to kind of pin this. Mine, it's all in like the the absolute sweetness of this bottle and the the mouthfeel to it. I'm really I keep trying to figure out what this is. Package okay, so this is urban barrel aged, a single barrel pick aged in Austin for twenty seven months. Yeah, I mean it's not adjunctive with anything. It's just so I don't I don't understand why it's so sweet. Like if you if, like this is I would classify this as a dessert beer because I don't get any I'm not getting any bourbon in it whatsoever, which isn't I, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing, but coupled with how sweet this thing is, uh, it's just a bit surprising. And then when you get that sort of like I don't want to say greasy because it sounds unappealing, but that sort of like creamier, softer, I don't know, velvety mouthfeel. It's just uh it's perplexing, but this beer does go down way too easy, and you can find yourself in trouble because this is a twelve percenter, and I'm already working my way down to the halfway mark, and we're just getting started. So you know what I, I find? Um, <clears throat> Mom ain't raised no bitch, so <laughs> just just keep going. That's that's fair. Um, that's fair. It has it has a little QR code you can you can scan on the side of it. It's called Ghost of the Half Moon. 
the description. Ghost of the Half Moon was crafted from a small lot of premium wheated bourbon barrels that we filled with Space and Time, which is their Imperial Stout, in August of 21, aged for over two years before being bottled in December of 23. So premium wheated so I feel could, like be, could be Weller, right? Could be. So I feel like I might like that beer better than you would because I'm a regular consumer of uh, whiskey, uh, neat whiskey, so I don't have that same um, oh. vaginal burn that you get in your throat. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I was not ready for that. All right, let's. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm sick. gonna go four two because I just don't know what vaginal burn. It's, <laughs> it's the same. Like. It's, it's so the sand in there. Regular this episode, please. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I need to listen to this. Wow, dude. Insane. Uh, okay, that's that's what's in our cups. Um. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the, the conference weekend yeah long long heralded as the best weekend in football every season yes. um it does I not think he lived up to that hype oh yeah 100 percent, 100 fucking percent um we're gonna talk about t-swift obviously um we're gonna talk about how t-pain didn't get any love during the halftime show um but we'll start raven's chiefs Baltimore runs the football. Baltimore throws the football in certain situations. This game, Baltimore looked at us straight in the face and said, we are a thrower of the football. And we were like, excuse me? And for, for, for bits, it worked. Zay Flowers, like 8, 10 receptions, something like that, 100, 100 plus yards, 55-yard bomb uh, that he took for a touchdown. And then he was also the cost of a costly turnover. On the touchback rule. We got to talk about this, Tim. I, I am very, very okay with the touchback rule. Uh, that if you fumble a ball at the goal line, that shit goes the other team onto the 25-yard. Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman did it for years in Seattle. So I, I see it from the, from the fan perspective of, absolutely, you should not fumble the ball. But in football, if you fumble the ball forward and you pick it up 10 yards later, you're, you're granted a recovery for fumble and all 10 of those yards. So like, why does it work up until the goal line? And then it doesn't work anymore. You know, like where's, where's the onus there? Um, Ravens fans are not happy about that. I, I think, uh, I think it's because it uh, doesn't even necessarily, um, I mean, if you fumble it out of bounds, forward and out of bounds, it gets put back on the spot of the fumble. So if it gets fumbled uh, going into the end zone and it's like goes out the back of the end zone or the side of the end zone, it, I, I don't know. There's there's so much like gray area there for me that I don't. Know, I would much rather see them put it on the one yard line. If I'm being honest, yep. only because uh, let's say you make the wrong call in that situation, that is like devastating. That is a devastating call that's there. Um, so I mean, I don't know. I could go. I could go either way. The fumble that happened in this instance where it got punched out on the one yard line and. And they ultimately recovered it. Um, that one. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have any strong feelings about it. Either way, I would be Me, fine if they left. put it on the one-yard line and just yeah. took it from the, or, or the five-yard line or something. The 25-yard line or the 20-yard line is, is, is a little crazy. Like you picked up a ball and you got a 20-yard return out of it. Just For nothing. 
for having yeah. the the sheer luck of being uh, on top of the ball when when it came out. So, or I think if the other team fumbles it out the back, isn't it then considered a turnover and a yeah. touchback? Unless so, it's the Seattle Seahawks that do it, then our <laughs> Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so it's yeah, so it's one of those. It's like I don't know. There's enough area there that you'd have to come up with a, <clears throat> a bunch of exceptions if you're going to try and do anything with it. So I think it just kind of is what it is. Take care of the ball. Uh, it's unfortunate when it does happen and you're on the offensive side, but it, it might be worth revisiting and, and maybe. I'm not considered a touchback. Call it something else and move it like to the ten yard line or the five yard yeah. line or something. I don't think you have to go all the way to the the twenty to twenty five yard line for for something like that. But it's just unfortunate because for the Ravens, nothing else was going. Yeah, right. Um, it was it was a nice slugfest. I think that's kind of what we wanted to see, right? Everyone sort of assumed that this is the most vulnerable the Chiefs are going to be, and uh, Baltimore has a better defense. But <laughs> it was seventeen to seven. Mm-hmm. Going into halftime. Yep. Um, and as was the theme this weekend, you're kind of thinking like, all right, this is it. Like, what are they going to say at halftime to right the ship? Um, thankfully, they did. Um, you know, Ravens came out, scored, uh, made it 17-10. And you're just sort of like, this is exactly what we want. And then they just traded punts the rest of the game. Finally, two-minute warning. Uh, the Chiefs get a Timely completion to Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Canaris Tony was absent from this game for sickness and in for personal reasons, which I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe they just, they needed to move some people around and they wanted to give the guy a shot on game day. Like Tony has obviously taken a lot of heat from the team, but like he's obviously showed up in some of the big moments. And it kind of goes back to what I said in the preview. Like this team is different in the postseason. Like they might have a, a, a wanton cast of characters, but they, they find a way to pull it all together. And Mahomes, <laughs> comically, right? He's getting tackled. He's like scorpioning backwards and he throws the football and it like flutters. It's a, it's a total duck. And Kelsey just leaps for it, catches it. He caught all 11 of his targets for 145 yards. I saw this stat that doesn't matter. It was like every tight end who's gone over 10 receptions and 100 plus yards has lost the game. There's been like 70 instances. The Chiefs are the first. Like Lamar's pick uh, into triple coverage, like definitely didn't help them. Like the Ravens absolutely abandoning what got them to this game is yep. stunning to me. Like, yeah, you have the offense. They, like, they, I mean, the you football. had Lamar's, you had, yeah, you had Lamar's 54 yards. You had Gus Edwards with 20 yards. And then between the entire rest of the team, they had seven total yards of ground. It's, it was crazy. Now the, I mean, he fumbled the ball. That was tough. Um, Jay Flowers already talked about that. He fumbled the ball. They had uh, two picks in the game, which uh, that sorry, the interception at the end of the game where he threw it uh, into triple coverage. That dude was not open. That was just nope. a terrible, terrible uh, play. And the, and to be fair, his fumble was tough. That was uh, uh, poor blocking on his blind side, and the guy came around and. And clean them out and behind. So tough to see, but you know that that's going to happen. But this is one of those where like his legs aren't going to get you out of this game alone. You needed to rely on the rest of your teammates, whether that's Gus. Uh, I mean, Zay ran it. Uh, or tried to run it a couple times. 
those scenarios uh, is what they needed to get that going in order for him to have more success in the air. Now, he made some incredible, incredible throws uh, during that game. I mean, everyone's going to remember the bad throw and the triple coverage, which was an easy pick, which, in my opinion, that should have been passing interference. Like, even mm-hmm. when they did the replay, I don't understand what they were looking at where they're like, I've leading into it, they were like, oh, there was some contact, but I think it was after the interception, and then they showed in slow motion. Uh, I don't remember who was going for the ball. They cleaned him out. Two players came in Mm -hmm. and all but tackled him, and a third player then came up and caught the ball. Like that, I don't understand how that wasn't some sort of illegal contact or passing interference. It 100% should have been. And they just doubled down during the replay. It was like, oh, there was a little contact there, but it was a good no call. I'm like, oh, I don't know, he Tim. Was, I don't know. He was literally, he, he sees the ball, goes like this, and then gets tackled. And a half a second later, you see the player come across, jump up, and make an interception. Like, it was clear contact before that. Like, they were selling that, saying, we're going to take this penalty rather than a touchdown. Uh, and then it just happened to be an interception. But that 100%. There was a couple calls, especially late in that game, that I thought were a little... Do- like Kelsey not getting flagged for taunting or anything and then drawing a penalty when a guy came up and was tired of it after two minutes of Kelsey True. walking. They've, they've been chipping all game, right? Because in the in the, in the the pregame, um, this is something the NFL kickers do all the time, right? You can go back and look at it. Like, kickers will kick yeah. into the opposing teams, like warm-ups, like... Th- they do it all the time. Well, that's because I, kickers. I, I know where you're going with this. That's kickers pregame yeah. are allowed to kick on both sides of the field to True. play for wind. Yeah. And his but they, they but, do it for on one side for a certain reason. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Like that may that may be. But there's videos of of old San Francisco kicker Robbie Gold like kicking in between the cheerleaders when there's players running out of the tunnel. Right? Like fucking. We know we know that people do it. To warm up yeah. and get wind on both sides, and we know people do it specifically to be shitheads. I don't think I don't think Justin Tucker was doing that. So it was very no. interesting to see that Kelsey was like, "Get your fucking cleats and your helmet and your ball kicking thing out of my quarterback's way." Like they they they, they you know what they, they made themselves the villain in this game, and then they got chippy with the team pre kickoff, and then they went to the the line. They're all like dapping each other, like, "Yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, congratulations! Like, let's have a good game." I was like. We just talked about us in a pregame for like two hours. Like they wouldn't shut up about it. And now you guys are friends? The fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh I don't know. I, I didn't I something something about the Mahomes Kelsey thing has been kind of rubbing me the wrong way for a little bit now. And it's actually getting like worse, in my opinion, as time goes on. And this was an example of it. Like, that guy's been doing that supposedly for like 12 years. I don't know. I'm not a a Ravens fan, so I didn't follow it. And I guess the Chiefs kicker was already on the other side of the field doing his thing. So he just kind of lined up and was doing his stretches. Why Mahomes and Kelsey have to be at the half-yard line warming up when you have an entire half of a field you could be I don't know. Something about it just felt uh, a little disingenuous, and I don't know. I don't know. I think it was like a a little bit of a dick move, and I was really hoping he was going to come back and, and nail a uh, like a the long field goal to like yeah. tie it or, or or win the game just to, just to stop. But man, Kelsey was a thorn in everybody's side yesterday. 
for whatever reason, he they that the Ravens had a little bit of momentum, and the Chiefs. I mean, say what you will about Steve Spagnuolo, right? His defenses are so complicated. They're they're wow. This is a hot take, but Spags, as he's affectionately known, former Giants defensive coordinator, beat the New England Patriots twice. Once in one of the greatest football teams ever with the 0708 Patriots, right? Um, they lost that Super Bowl to the Giants. Uh, and then he did it again a few years later. He's been with the Chiefs for a long time, and his defenses have been much maligned for playing either too soft or, you know, disappearing in halves of football. But for whatever reason, as the game went on, the defense aged like fine wine. Um, there was no, like you pointed out, there's no way that Lamar looks at Zay Flowers going into triple coverage and triggers and throws the ball. No reason. None. Zippo. Except Steve Spagnuolo was like, guys, playoff, run into each other, and the zone, when you mesh it, it'll be there, and someone's going to get the pick. Any one of those three defenders could have gotten the pick, right? But Lamar just threw it right to a guy. His route was cut off. Whatever you want to say, but like, that's what great DCs do. They make quarterbacks pay. And Spags, you could tell he was just tightening down just a little bit. Just a little bit. Lamar can't run this way. He can't run that way. They're going to abandon the run. They're going to, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. I'll give you exactly the look you want to see pre-snap, and I'll change it the minute the ball is snapped, and I just hope you don't make the wrong decision. Um, you you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Ravens fans have to be sick that all this momentum, and they go out in the conference championship game, you know? Like, they were far and above, like, the best team in the AFC. Like, it, the only thing we didn't see was the Chiefs-Ravens preview, which I wonder, had they played each other this season, I think things might have been different. I think the Ravens would have already seen this before and they would have been prepared for it and they could have they could have better adjusted after halftime because the Ravens did adjust, right? They kept Mahomes. They're like, look, you scored 17. That's it. We're not letting you get anything else. The Ravens defense yeah. showed up, but the offense, which had been much praised by yours truly and everyone else all year, disappeared in the second half. After they got that touchdown, it was like, we're close. And then like, I think the, uh, Skopenhauer, Skopenhauer, like the, the famous German philosopher said, Hope is the greatest torment of man because it prolongs, right? Oh, we're only one touchdown away. We got Lamar. We can do this. No, you can't. You punted five times in the, in the second half. Uh, and then you watch a guy who has dropped a ton of passes, have the most surefire hands, and watch a ball bounce and then catch it, land on his back. Your guy doesn't even make a play for it. Fucking game over. Yeah. Um, and of course, everyone wants to talk about Taylor Swift. It's like, like who the fuck cares? <laughs> like, I'm so happy that Travis has someone that is um, supporting his football journey. But let's be honest. People are, are, are tired of seeing her, except for the NFL. The NFL is like, listen, we need that engagement. We need a whole bunch of new fans. And I don't, I, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory, okay? I think they actually genuinely love each other. But I will just say that, like, the amount of times that the camera is now going on Taylor and she's like, oh, go away. I'm like, yes. Yes, queen. <laughs> Send the cameras away. We don't want this shit, right? And like, well, she, I mean, to be honest, she's probably... Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> just don't set off the fucking emergency alarm on my phone. That's how angry I was. <laughs> um, no, but the... Uh, I mean, she's probably now feeling guilty because one she's been called a distraction because it's like his performance the second half of the season was not nearly where it was yeah, but they're 10 and 3 they're 10 and 3 when she shows I understand up. <laughs> I understand I understand uh I'm well that when she shows up to every game and they're a good football team 
they're gonna they're gonna win games. And now it's like they're talking about they added two flights to the to the roster for like Airlines. American Airlines was it nineteen eighty seven or whatever it was like and eighty nine whatever and then 87 yeah yeah it's it's ridiculous uh but she's probably tired of being on the receiving end of all this stuff and i keep seeing all the posts from like all the the women on social media being like all of these bad things happen in the nfl and continue to say that taylor swift is the worst thing to happen nobody's saying she's the worst thing to happen to football what we're saying is there is there are other narratives and storylines going on that do not cater to one man's love life like are they showing every other wife of every other player that's doing well during the game no they'll cut to maybe mahomes and his wife because she's polarizing and she makes the news pretty often they'll cut to his brother sometimes because he's also polarizing but then it's very very muted this season i think well that's because i think people are distancing themselves from him because he that polarization was like shut the Fuck up. Well, not only uh, that, but uh, he kind of got himself into shit when that video oh, went out, oh, yeah. and he's like grabbing yeah. chicks by the throat and forced them to make out, uh, stealing their purse or whatever he did. But <clears throat> it's the fact that everybody's forcing the narrative down your throat. Like it is, they're making references to it during normal sports cast now. They're working in her. Everyone's trying to cash in on the popularity of Taylor Swift being there and it's just annoying for everybody who's not a Taylor Swift fan and it would be the same way for anybody I mean it was the same way for Patrick Mahomes brother it was the same way for any I mean uh, Brown like when he was out of league and every time they were focused on on him like nobody gives a shit and you're just the distraction to what everyone's trying to watch. And the fact that, like, Day's Jewelry in Maine uh, was reposting the kiss from them afterwards with the jewelry as an advertisement saying, look, we have similar jewelry to Taylor. Like, everybody was just cramming it down your throat, and it was just obnoxious. Like, imagine being the wife. I mean, you're probably excited that Taylor's there. But let's say you have, like, your husband's performing in any one of those games at a high level. They're not cutting to you. Nobody gives a shit. They're not showing you celebrating with the people in your box. It's not. It's just cutting specifically to one person the entire time. He had 11 catches on the day for, like, 115 yards. And they cut to her probably 25 times. Mm -hmm. Not 11 times. Not eight times when he was doing well, they cut to her going into commercial breaks. They cut to her when he was involved in a play. They cut to her when the, it's like, we get it. You're pandering to her fan base. That's watching. It's cool. You're bringing in more audience. And I saw a number. It was like the amount of additional revenue she brought in merchandise to like the casual fans, like $350 million or something. That's right. And that's, so, the, that's the only reason why the NFL is doing it. Like, but it not, not for the, not for the NFL, for the chiefs specifically. So it's not benefiting the overall NFL other than additional viewership um, for one game out of the week. The Chiefs and their merchandising department is what's really benefiting from this. Oh, and I'm 100%. sure ticket sales and everything. 
Yep. Ticket sales, podcast reps. I mean, the NFL is very smart, right? The NFL is determined, <laughs> yeah. like I said, to expand viewership. They've been very clear that they want to get more women fans in the NFL. And that's why I think like it's a tiny Tim Spiracy hat. Like it's very possible that there's like, listen, <clears throat> in some dark shadowy room on Park Ave, you know, uh, Goodell is like drinking, like he's, he's sipping like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee because he fucking hates the doing a Patriots. And he's like, what do we do here? And they're like, listen, sir, we have a plan. What if we get a pop star with a lovable football character and we make them make the Super Bowl? And he's like, yeah, and she should be the halftime act. Like, no, 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 not this. Too year. far, too far, too far. Yeah, not this year. We need to wash next year. We need to wash our pop star. We're going to use, uh, who do we got? We're going to spend all of our advertising dollars on tracking down Taylor Swift every game. We can't afford prime time. We got to build the uh, hype. So now we got to go with Usher, who hasn't Chiefs, had a song in 25 years. Chiefs, yeah. When the Chiefs make their third Super Bowl next year and the halftime act, uh, what's it going to be? Twitter's going to be on fire, dude. Everyone's going to be like, Taylor, our boss. Taylor, we, we boycott the NFL. And they're like, okay, guys, here you go. I think Kelsey retires. I, you know, let's, let's talk. We'll, t- we'll talk about this in the Super Bowl preview, but I, there's a couple prop bets I think that you could be, you could be serious on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only last thing I'll say about the, the Chiefs Ravens is, this is exactly what we wanted. There's been so much doubt about Lamar and what he well, can or can't do. Kind of what we wanted yeah. before you go down that path. Kind of what we wanted. We were hoping, I think, for a little bit more explosive offense, not necessarily a defensive slugfest, which is ultimately what this ended up being, mm-hmm. especially in the second half. Both defenses oh, yeah. buttoned it up, yes. and it was nothing. It was just literally hand the ball back and forth for two full quarters. But anyway, sorry, carry on. And in a in a league that's used to seeing offensive prowess week in and week out, lopsided scores, yeah. a 17 to 10. If you're a fan of football, this game was fucking brilliant, dude. You you hung on every single play because you're like, it this could be a 17-17 game. This could be a 10-10 game at any point. Um Ravens fans are obviously going to be shell-shocked. Provided that McDonald, their defensive coordinator, doesn't become the Seattle Seahawks or Washington Commanders head coach. The team should return everyone next year. The team should be viewed as an AFC favorite um, to be in the mix with the Chiefs because they know that they have now seen this version of the most vulnerable Chiefs ever, right? Um, Joe Burrow will come back next year in the division. Like the Ravens will learn their lessons from this game and be more balanced. You're going to see more passing yards out of Lamar next year. I get it that he's a dynamic runner and he's he just throws the football occasionally, but game game scripts like this show you that like you need to check down. You can't just throw a 55-yard moon ball and just hope that Zay Flowers is going to catch it every single time because sometimes people will cough the football on the two-yard line after you march them 75 yards down the field, right? And then on the flip side, like the Chiefs had no business, no business getting away with some of the things that they got away with. You, you mentioned the Taunton thing, like the way that they got in the Ravens' head, like, you know, pregame to, to, to sort of kind of rile them up, like, if there has ever been a weak version of the Kansas City Chiefs, it is this year. It is a trio of wide receivers that you don't really trust in game situations. And we've all talked about it throughout the season. There have been games that they've won where you're like, how? And there's games that they've lost when you're like, how? How did you do that? And the Chiefs, they did exactly what they needed to do. Mahomes, one passing touchdown, no interceptions, just over a couple hundred yards. And he kept the chains moving. Isaiah Pacheco is a fucking beast. He's so good. 
Um, and for fantasy purposes, he's never going to score you a ton of points, <laughs> which is frustrating. But as a football fan, you got just about everything you wanted this weekend. If you were a Lamar hater, this validated you. You said, look, lights are brightest. You didn't do it. And if you're a Lamar apologist, you're like, but it wasn't him, right? The defense came out. And then if you're like a true fan of the, of the game, you're just sort of like, guys, neither quarterback really did anything. <laughs> it, was, it was the defensive uh, yeah. and offensive lines that kept this game close. So sorry to the Baltimore fans, Scott. Uh, just the, the, the future is brighter, I think, than, than it is. Sometimes you have to lose in these, these types of heartbreaking games to really sort of galvanize the team. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you're the Bills, and then you just lose in all the big games, anyways, and you keep going backwards. But uh, that's a, that's a topic for another day. So yeah, so this is the this is the perfect segue in a moment of <clears throat> validation for your boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. One quarterback this weekend. Oh boy, here went we go. twenty yeah, for uh, no, no. Shut up. Listen. <sighs> went twenty of thirty-seven for two hundred and seventy-two yards. Longest throw, 54 yards, mm-hmm. one touchdown, on the ground, eight attempts, 54 yards rushing. Yeah, his name it's is pretty good, right? Rockford. Yeah. No, no, that was Lamar Jackson. Let me read you another quarterback stat. Oh, I hate this quarterback A, quarterback B shit. What are you doing? <laughs> another quarterback on the weekend went 20, weird, 20 completions, mm-hmm, 31 mm-hmm. attempts, 267 yards, which is... Awfully close to 272. Yep. Also had one touchdown. Longest throw, 51 yards, which is pretty close to 54 yards. And in five attempts, had 48 yards on the ground, which is awfully close to 54, would you say? I would agree. One of these is Brock Purdy. The other uh, one's Lamar Jackson. Quarterback B. It's quarterback B. I know. I know. Listen, yeah. There's a reason, Tim. There's a reason. We're going to segue into this. There's a reason why I got the pappy barrel-aged fucking beer today, okay? They're in the first half of the NFC Championship game when the Lions were up 24-7. to I was a fucking animal. My wife was like, Mm -hmm. you need to calm down. I was like, no, I don't. Fuck the Niners forever. (laughs) Like I'm like, I I went back into my drafts. I started dusting them off. To all my Niners fans, I was like, you guys fucking suck. Your quarterback's weak. This is bullshit. Shanahan's trash, blah, blah, blah. I had it all ready to go. Mm -hmm. Then... Just got an inkling at halftime. I was like, guys, just, just don't fucking take your foot off the gas. Just don't do remember it. Who, I remember the turning point where I saw the game, and I'm like, oh, this thing's over. Yeah. Excuse me. I can't remember who it was. Someone on the Lions early in the first half started waving goodbye to the Niners fans. I'm like, we've seen this before. We have seen it this. It never worked. It never worked. Exact scenario, and this is going to go poorly for you. So good luck with that. I mean, if, but when you think about this, 7-zip. 14 zip, 14 to 7, 21 7, 24 7 at the half. And you're just like, okay, holy shit. All the, like the office meme, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's, it's, it's happening. happening. Yeah, like, I was like, yes, yes, fuck the Niners. Yeah, they're trash. There's no way. And then they come out of halftime, punt. The, the receivers for the Detroit Lions looking in the hit before they, the, they, they bring in the ball when they're clearly over the line. The pass rush getting not home, but speeding Jared Goff up. And then all of a sudden, it's fucking 24-10. All right, mm-hmm. cool, whatever. Field goal. Not a big deal. You're still like, come on. Come on, Dan. Go for it. Oh, go for it on fourth down. I agree. Go for it on fourth down. Yes, put this game away. Oh, you miss it. Shit. 
Now it's 24-17. Oh, God damn. Now there's a fumble? Now it's 24-24? And at that point, I put my phone down, and I, I just turned it face down, and I was like, ooh, thankfully I didn't let my ego get the best of me because it, like, in my head, when it was 24-all, I was like, this game's over. I know. Mm -hmm. it. I, I like, like a guy who says, hit me on 17 and 18 and 19 because he thinks there's a two in the deck. That's exactly what I did for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what the fucking Lions did the rest of the game. They were on 19, and they hit every single time thinking they were going to get two, and they didn't. And you can, you can fault the Lions for continuing to go for it. You can. The first time you went for it and you missed, sure. I, I agree. Put the game away. Go up two scores. Two full touchdowns. Yeah. The second time, especially when they kicked the field goal, no, you got to kick the field goal there. The third time, you absolutely have to kick the field goal. We shouldn't be talking about anything like having to go for it towards the end of the game because like that that shouldn't you shouldn't have you shouldn't have been there. You should have salted right. away this lead. And I I want to chalk it up specifically to the fact that the Niners have had their hearts broken and they know exactly what they need to do to rein in a team and keep things close enough where it benefits them. And the yeah. Lions, the Lions have had an incredible season. Yeah. Ben Johnson chose not to interview with any of their teams. He's sticking with the Detroit Lions. They're going to have some continuity there next year. Yeah. Dan Campbell's very frank. He's like, look, like we lost this game. Like It's twice as hard to get back next year, and now everybody wants a piece of us. You had it. You had it, Lions. And I... I, I so I, I've seen a lot of like com I've seen a lot of conversation about that over the last few days, and I I kind of I mean I gotta agree you can't really abandon what got you there right like in hindsight sure. it, in hindsight Monday morning quarterbacking yes those were terrible calls you should have taken the points when they were available to you but going forward in those tough spots are what led them to some of their successes and I mean they lost to the Cowboys that same stupid shit instead of just going for to tie the game you went for a, a two-point conversion and lost the game which is wild to me so like there's been some tough decision making but that's what happens when you have a quarterback who's fired up and motivated and upsetting the apple cart you gotta let him have some freedom now there are going to be some conversations i'm sure things will uh, unfortunately change going into next season and I'm sure, I'm sure there will be some sort of like override system that they'll have where like, hey man, when the numbers really say we should kick it now, let's just do that. But I don't, it's, it's easy to say, dude, you lost them the game. But like there were plenty of opportunities they had to still be in this game outside of those plays. Two um, more field goals and they, <clears throat> they don't, the Niners don't win this game. Two field goals. Yeah. Even if the well, Niners go back and hit every single play that they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough to say that because it changes the, the whole dynamic and the game plan when those things happen. So you, you never know. But, like, Josh Reynolds had two, at least two really, really bad drops. And Goff came out as a class act and, and fed him and saying, listen, we all had our problems. He's like, I missed throws. We had plenty of opportunities in other areas. This isn't on one person. But, like, Man, there were two drops that Reynolds had that would have extended two drives and one that would have scored a touchdown that would have been game-changing that he should have had and just biffed. So there were other opportunities other than going for it or, or not getting it on, on fourth and down. So this is just, in my opinion, I think this is this speaks more to the quality of the Niners as a team. I mean, we had... 
and heard these same conversations. Um, just go, I mean, we'll go back to the Patriots when they had some of their historic comebacks where they were down, uh, you know, by 21 points and came back and won. Like, good teams, good quarterbacks, good personnel go in, they make halftime adjustments, and they come out and they just execute. And this is what, what we saw is the defense shoring up the same way the Baltimore and Kansas City defense did, except in this case, uh, the offense, I mean, you had some extremely lucky plays, obviously, uh, going the Niners. Every, I feel like a lot of these historic runs that you see by up-and-coming quarterbacks or, or like superstar teams almost always have a point in mm-hmm. the postseason where there's some magic that happens. You had the helmet yeah. catch during the for the Giants against the Patriots. You had two years later, um, uh, who was it, going out of bounds, and he caught the ball on like the four-yard line to extend it on what would have been, I think, the, like a, a third and long or, or a, a fourth down. Ultimately, they went and won that game. You have uh, Edelman's catch where he like dropped mm-hmm. it and then caught it. That Ayuk deflection off the defender in the air and the catch the worst the worst play of the fucking game like the worst play the if best the play of the game just like swats it then then there's there's no momentum there right um yeah but like that is one of those that when we watch the highlights of uh this playoff run when the nfl network re-airs the the niners run or whatever if they go on to win it uh that's going to be a marquee moment because the momentum shifted uh, and you knew kind of, you know, luck was on their side a little bit. But what I can't discount is how fucking good Brock Purdy looked, especially in the second half of this game. I, he, I, will, I, will, I will agree with you there. It's tough. He, I don't really want to, but like. Like all I kept hearing was he's not the most athletic guy. And then he'd bang out a 20 yard run for a first down. On multiple occasions. Oh, my god! All three of his runs in the second half were all for first downs. They all moved the chain. They all kept drives going. They were sustainable. Tim, you you play poker at all? Yeah. Okay, so you know like when you're on tilt, right? Mm -hmm. Either when, like, you you can't fucking lose, like the cards are always coming your way, or the opposite, where, like, you can't win a fucking hand to save your life. Um, This game was on tilt for both teams. In the first half, it was on tilt for the Lions. We're running the football down your fucking necks. There's nothing you can do to stop us. We're getting guys open in space and time. We're making touchdowns. Then at halftime, whatever whatever Shanahan said to the team, and I know that players are like, oh, yeah, he just said, like, hey, guys, reminder, there's a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Bullshit. He didn't say that. He said something else. He said, fucking nut up. There's a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And by the way, you're getting fucking embarrassed in front of your home fans. That's probably what he said. Something along the lines. Um, Good, man. You know, because Sean Payton said a couple years ago, he said, like the player said that he rolled in a cart uh, with cash, cash money in it. And he said, this is what you'll fucking get if you go to the Super Bowl. Some players are motivated by toughness in those moments. The 49ers came back out and said, you're not running on us anymore. And the Lions, who like conspicuously, just like the Ravens, abandoned the run game in the second half. Like Purdy. Because they couldn't get any production out of it. 20 of them. They couldn't yeah. get any production like, out of the run game in the second so half, which Goff, is why. Goff, Goff threw it 41 times. He threw an extra 10 times than Purdy did. And Purdy was like, oh, nothing there? Cool. You're going to give me 15 yards of cushion? I'm running. And like, I just washed all of my arguments about Brock Purdy, like, fucking go down the toilet in the second half. And I was just sort of like, 
24s, here we go. This game's fucking over. I know it. I know it's fucking over because there's a team who's who's had a heartbreak in the Super Bowl and desperately wants to fix that. Bad voodoo. And they're saying, fuck you to the other team. Yeah. So, I mean, I this what I hate about the postseason is that even though I don't think it should, it does factor into MVP voting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if it stopped at the end of the season, sure, could we make a, a, a case for Lamar and everybody else? I think, unfortunately, this doesn't. Uh, I would make the same argument that I feel like this should have worked in Goff's favor. I know they lost the game, but some of the coaching decisions that went into that, some of the drops by the players on his on his team, really shouldn't have impacted, in my opinion, what was a phenomenal performance on his yeah. end. Uh, he had no turnovers. He took care of the ball. I mean, he didn't use his legs at all. He had literally zero attempts at running the ball, which obviously you'd want to see, you know, because we're comparing him to three other guys that, you know, did that at a, uh, at a relatively high level. But <clears throat> unless you're going to give it to Christian McCaffrey, how do you not give it to Brock Purdy now? Like, I would say that yeah, even though, was- even though McCaffrey had a good game, uh, he finished with 90 yards rushing and 42 yards in the air. Debo Samuel finished with 89 yards. And Brandon Ayuk, because he had that long throw, finished with 68 yards. I would say Brock Purdy is the reason they won this game. Like, without a doubt. Absolutely. He extended he, he, plays he when they needed James to. He's, like, his scramble drills were, even when he wasn't just running, like when he was getting out of trouble and finding ways to hit guys. That, like, that pass to fucking Kyle Juszczyk? Should not have worked. Like just it was, just like, standing very, on the edge, like correct. It was it was very it was very Mahomes esque. It was very uh, who's the guy that made that toe tap? Was it Devontae when he made that toe tap um, out of bounds almost throw uh, against the Cowboys yeah. a couple years ago? Like yep. I I left this game super upset, but I took it like a day to think about it, and then I I got even more upset. And I wasn't upset about the fact that I've like been calling Brock trash all year. I got upset about the fact that I think that they're fucking scouts looked at Brock Purdy probably need to get fucking reevaluated. Like there might be some institutional rot. Like I mean I, it's, I hate it's, seeing this. I hate it's easy seeing to this. say that he's, he's in the fucking NFC West. He's gonna be thumping the Seahawks for years to come unless they get a new quarterback. But no, it's like I mean it's it's easy for you like, it's easy for you to say he's that. Clearly, he's clearly a quarterback that can like make the decisions. Like in it's very difficult for someone to keep the momentum going for two or more games in the postseason. And he was able to do it, right? The divisional and the conference round, but there you could argue that like right before the season ended, he was still getting hot, right? So like everyone expects you to drop off, he doesn't, and then he he brings the team back from the jaws of defeat both times. I fucking hate giving this guy credit, I really do, but I want to know how he's two fifty six. How? How? No, is he I mean, but we 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 got to stop being surprised by that because you made a comparison last week that said, how could you be a good quarterback? When they're saying, hey, if Tom Brady's available, we're going to bring him in. He I, just I, so I still, happens I to be. I still stand by that. Yeah, but what, what do the two of them have in common? Well, okay, hold on. One was 160, <laughs> 160-something overall, and one was still picks lower. Still. Picks. Still. Both of them were looked at as trash pickups for nothing but practice squads or whatever. And here we are. One of them is arguably the greatest of all time. I'm not putting him. I'm not putting him in the fucking same. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, we got. I think we got to stop looking at 
like, oh my god, all these teams looked past them, and because and, we already did that story. There's we have video of a man crying because he got looked over by every other team in the draft, and now he's the best one. Well, I mean, there's literally Tom Brady in his documentary talking about uh, back when he had his long hair, mm. talking about like how emotional it was. Yeah, yeah it's a great meme. Um, it's a great meme. <laughs> yeah, but like we we've been there before. He's not even the only one. There's other quarterbacks that that got passed up, and I I think now what we're seeing is with the the rush to take starting quarterbacks and put them in and have them try to execute at a high level right off the bat is backfiring more frequently now mm-hmm. than it is succeeding. Like we had Mayfield who sputtered. We had Johnny Menzel who was a dumpster fire. Uh, Sam Darnold. Um, who else? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, well, Tim Tebow, obviously, and who he, who he was sharing snaps with, Mark Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go back over the last 10, 15 years and how many of those picks have not really panned out quite as well as, as what we had hoped. You're seeing guys who were picked later who have kind of worked their way into a system having a little bit of success. We have Geno yeah. Smith. He's finding some success. We have, um, what's his name? Uh, Dobbs. Like He wasn't like a, a really high sought-after pick. He, he was at- for three games and then he wasn't, yeah. Yeah, and like she's a, she's a fickle beast. The quarterback uh, love we have. Yeah, so I, I feel like there's, uh, I feel like the the overall quality of play across football in general has increased so much that there's probably a bunch of hidden gems lower in the draft now. I feel like quarterbacks. That doesn't that that makes me feel like the draft evaluation system that we've been using forever. With quality points per draft pick needs needs to be affected or needs to be changed. Like I mean, Mac Jones. That's another example. Yeah, right. Like if if there are six hundred wide receivers coming out in the draft, and you're two fifty of six hundred, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a quality point, right? If there are only forty quarterbacks that are, are that are going to be available to be drafted in a certain year, and you're fucking top five, guess what, boss? You're worth much more because. There are that that is this. There's only 32 quarterback positions. A team could run three, maybe four wide receivers if they put somebody on special teams, and that's where I feel like guys like Purdy probably have been like miscalculated. I just I think it's criminal. Like I really want to see the scouting report from every fucking team that that saw him and said, "Yeah, this guy's from Iowa. He went to a similar you know college and 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 style as like Tony Romo and Jimmy G. He's totally like backup." Maybe practice squad potential. Like, I, I, I think we need to crack the fucking lid because it's like very clear that people looked at Steve Belichick's or what's Bill Belichick's father? Was it, is that who it was? Was it Steve Belichick or is that his son? Yeah, that's his son. I can't fucking remember. <clears throat> um, so Bill Belichick's father wrote wrote the book on modern scouting, and I feel like now scouting is about hype. Scouting is about position of need, and scouting is about this guy has intangibles that are going to help me. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hide his his flaws as much as possible. They need to look at the whole candidate there, and I feel like people probably gave Brock an unfair shake. Um, and to be honest, it's gonna permeate into the Super Bowl because I don't think that they're gonna be favored to win the Super Bowl because it's the Chiefs. If it was a team that hadn't made it there before, another AFC team, I, I think like it would be different. But uh, Tom, you were talking about Tom Brady. Tom Brady was 199. Yeah, 199. Yeah. 57 picks, you know, early. Yeah. Um, what quarterback are you drafting 
in the 150 plus range that's that, that's a starter. Yeah, I, th- I think what it is is um, when you look at guys like everyone was calling him a game manager, and I th- and I'm not I'm not I want to be clear. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady or the next Tom Brady. That's not the comparison. What I'm okay because I was here. gonna I was gonna hard hard all, all what all I'm saying is I think there are quarterback qualities that go beyond the flash in the pan, mm-hmm. uh, running the ball. Two seasons. Like, it's very difficult for you to say that it's a flash in the pan when there's 17, 18, 20 plus games to to look. No, at. no, no. What I'm saying is what what the the flash in the pan where you have. Um, like college quarterbacks who were able to run the ball well. Running the ball well at the college level is great, but doesn't necessarily translate to success in the NFL. You need guys who are calm under pressure, who make good decisions, who just see the field differently, uh, who are able to make good decisions on the fly, who can throw the ball well. And like when you hear people talk about Tom Brady's scattering report, not the strongest arm, not the fastest guy, um, slow in the pocket, blah, 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 blah. They work down that whole list. And then you see him execute, and he had, the like, even up until his retirement, had, the like, one of the fastest releases in the league. Guy made accurate throws in tight positions or bailed out and just killed the play and saved it for the next one. Football acumen and understanding the game and having it kind of slow down in front of you turned out to be a much better recipe for success than being able to tuck the ball and run it for 10 yards, 15 yards every time you need to. Uh, I feel like Brock Purdy and there will probably be other players that come out in the future that have that same level of just, I don't want to say football IQ, but just awareness. Now, they may come every 10, 15 years, but I feel like more and more, we're going to start seeing late picks kind of shine a little bit. We saw a little bit. We saw a lot of it in uh, like the defensive side, where relative no names work their way off the practice squad and then come out and have some some major success. And I'm I'm wondering if what you'll see teams start to do is look for more of those intangibles later on, and maybe steer clear of spending so much draft capital to get up in those top four picks and get a quarterback that may or may not work and next thing you know you've leveraged the next five years of your team's success because you moved up on a draft to get a quarterback in the top four who peters out or or has some mediocre success at best yeah i i think it's it's very plausible to think that like he's going to sustain this level of, of success into the next season regardless of what happens in the super bowl um so like the 49ers, I mentioned on tilt earlier. The 49ers are on tilt right now. The quarterback that yep. they took with pick 256 is good enough. He's he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're a Jimmy G apologist, like, I'm fucking sorry, but you're wrong. He's better than Jimmy G, right? Um, and now, you like, you got you to back him. You got to back him because he yep. helped get you to a Super Bowl, right? McCaffrey didn't throw all that shit. And when you didn't have him in the game last year, he didn't get to the big game, right? So... There's a lot to to unpack here for the Super Bowl 58 uh, that we got coming up in Vegas, which is going to be insane. So I think what we do is we touch on a little bit here, and then yeah. we take a deeper dive. I think next week into for sure because there's, there's going to be things. At, there's going to be things that that I think we can we can we can say. But 
everyone just put their little picks out today. Everyone's trying they're trying to move the betting lines. <laughs> let's let's be honest. That's what they're doing. I mean, um, on on paper, and I haven't gone through and looked at the full strength of schedule to compare the, the two of them. On paper, San Francisco is the better team across the board. Yeah, they are they, they were on the ropes. Po- points scored points scored per game. Well, let's not forget the defense of the Lions ranks higher than the defense for Baltimore. Like significantly. It was a mm-hmm. just much better defensive team. But the let's let's just look at what the the season rankings are for each one of these categories before we close up for the day. But points scored. So we'll go Kansas San Fran. Uh points scored per game. Uh Kansas City ranks fifteenth. So San Francisco's third. Points allowed per game. Uh they're close. That's second for Kansas and third for San Fran. Yards per game passing, it's sixth and fourth. Rushing yards per game, that's where the big difference is, ninth and third, Christian McCaffrey, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. Defensive passing yards per game, fourth and 14th. That's the one big thing that leans uh, Kansas City's way. And then defensive rushing yards per game, uh, 18th and third. So the writing on the wall is McCaffrey's going to have a very big game going into this weekend. They're going to have their hands full trying to stop, or not this week, next weekend. Um, they're going to have their hands full. Two full weeks. Yeah, not next weekend, the weekend after. Um, they're going to have their hands full with Christian McCaffrey. And if that's the case, you got a couple weapons now that are open and available that are going to hurt. You have Samuel, you have Ayuk, you have Kittle. You've got some weapons there that you have to account for. And so far, I don't think Kansas City has really had a multi-threat to this level that they've had to go up against. And teams that they did have to go up against that had um, defensive, uh, offensive, I'm sorry, offensive spreads where they they can dish the ball out, they struggled a little bit this year. So I mean, for me, like I'm I'm San Fran all the way. Like my oh, first right. my first okay. ever Pee Wee, uh, my first ever Pee Wee football jersey was a Niners jersey with my name on it, and I had one every year for like five years. And we had the Raiders for a year. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. So I'm, 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 I don't even have to, to second guess this. I think it's the Niners, one, because I do think right now they are a more well-rounded team. They've got more weapons. Uh, conveniently enough, we haven't uh, discredited uh, Patrick Mahomes at all. For we're not going weapons. to because he's he's a for two-time the, MVP. He's a two-time for all the weapons that he, yeah yeah yeah. But all no. those weapons that he has those those are those are not faults of his. Those are strengths of his. The fact that he has uh, Travis Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice, Scantling, uh, Edwards, Hilaire, all, all great me. weapons who all flirted with a, a thousand yards this season. But no no no, that's a Mahomes strength. Brock right. Purdy, however, is a douchebag because he's got three so, players that are him, that are good players. It sounds it sounds <laughs> to me like you are you are a team Niners on this, and obviously I'm not going to be able to bear the lead. I am team Chiefs in this. Mm-hmm. So the next episode we're going to have to dig into. We're going to have to make a, like a Socratic seminar, like maybe like a debate team going back to high school debate team. I know you went oh, to high school like days of confused days, but I'm in. Um, I we we got to do this. Um. That wasn't wow, me peeing. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me peeing. That was pouring the last bit. Pouring uh, the last bit of that creamy, slimy barley wine. <laughs> this oily right, liquid. I mean, 
look, I, I'm Team Chiefs here, and for many, many other reasons, we'll get into yeah. in the next episode of Stats Martin Podcast. But uh, let's 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 get the viewers what they're asking for. Tim, let's do a fifty dollar donation to the charity of the Niners' choice. Mm-hmm. If the Niners win, I'll, I'll do that, and a fifty dollar donation to the charity of the Chiefs' choice. If you okay. win. Or vice versa. Right. However, that, however that fucking works. If your team, if your team, if the Niners win, I'll donate fifty to uh whatever cost. Because there's like there's the players, they all have the causes that they, that they support. So we'll do that. And then if you lose, which I think you're going to bear the lead, um, then you gotta do it for uh one of the Chiefs causes. And not like fifteen for Mahomes or uh, Kelsey's foundation, like you know, pick like a pick like a nondescript player on the Chiefs that has like I'll a let you foundation. pick and you tell me where. And, oh damn! All right. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more. I'm, I mean, I'm more selfish than that. I would have said, "Let's go, let's go, like a high end beer or whiskey." But I, I, I can appreciate the. Uh, <laughs> well, I the, the fifty dollars. It's 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 something that I think is very interesting, and I see this sometimes with like some of the fantasy football stuff. Is that like, you know, people will they'll say, "Oh my god, Tyreek fucked me because he got injured in this week and I didn't make the playoffs." Like, yes, yeah. there's a lot of money to be made in fantasy football, but there's a lot of these players who and non quarterback, for example who have these foundations and they're, they're trying to address something inner city yeah. uh, access to, you know, healthcare or meals or the arts. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that shit all day. I really can. And you write, you, you can, you can write it off on your taxes next year. So I feel like there's, it, it's a win-win, right? Whereas like I, I might send you another creamy, slimy fucking <laughs> barley wine when you win the Super Bowl bet. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, we'll do is, uh, I mean, fifty bucks is a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of what these. We'll do the fifty bucks, but I'll also make sure that I'm sharing and promoting whatever this organization is for like the next couple weeks afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll put I'll put some effort into it. I'm, I, I that's mean, history. that's I'll, research you got to do. You got to find help me. I'm poor. Uh, so wow. I'm gonna be donating a, a, <laughs> a ton meant, of money. But... I'm not gonna give a thousand dollars to it, but I'll, okay. I'll donate the fifty bucks. But then it'll be like, oh, you, oh, the you're push. referring to like the GoFundMe's that pop up for like. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is some of our listeners are going to hear this and think, what the hell is 50 bucks going to do for any of these foundations? What I'm saying is I'll give the 50 bucks, but then I'll also push it on all my social media platforms and and try to get it some, you know, Mm -hmm. ancillary donations as well. So we'll do what we can to help out. What's going to end up happening is um, you're going to lose the bet, right? And when you do it, you're going to tag the teams and then someone is going to read it and they're going to be like, oh my God. And then Sassamarine Podcast is going to blow up, and then we're going to have to like quit our jobs and like become like full time. Like, are you prepared to wear like you know uh, a shirts like the little tank tops and like make like yeah. a Shane Gillis face and like pay quarterbacks to be on our on a weekly program? Are you? Yeah, are you I'm, 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 I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I got I kids just, to put through college. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> what well, one one thing I would be, I would be remiss without saying this: they gave Taylor Swift a lot of attention. Christian uh, Jusic, is that how you pronounce uh, the, the fullback from the uh, San Francisco 49ers? She yeah. makes these incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she got a licensing deal from the NFL. Yep. This is something that, like, you're talking about people like looking at Taylor every 10 seconds. I wish, I wish, because you're talking about how other people's like wives aren't, aren't really profiled. I wish the NFL did like, a, did like a little bit. Maybe they will. Maybe we just haven't seen it yet because it hasn't been produced. But like, she's made some incredible incredible pieces she uh, is and, and that's that's the most unfortunate part i mean well i mean good for her that that taylor swift got onto, but like was it taylor lautner 
had mm-hmm. one on. I mean, there's yep. been several different people who have worn these publicly to games and other events. And it and her husband, uh, like very selflessly was going on every one of those posts and be like, That's my wife, she makes these amazing things. That's my wife, like just straight ah, up promotion. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, not not look at me, I'm an NFL player, my wife does this cool thing. He never once mentioned that he was an NFL player in any of those posts. It's like, my wife did this, look how amazing she is. Credit to, it was like Tagger and all of these, so she he was mm-hmm. doing nothing but like, you know, building her up, which was also really cool to see. But she has a licensing deal now. But how, how, many, how many times do you see her uh, when he was doing well in the game? Never. Until exactly. until recently, I think uh, this this last this last game where they where they showed her on the sideline like with her Kyle Uzcheck coat, yeah. Which to be honest, like the fact that she got a licensing deal now, I'll tell you exactly where this is going. This is three hundred and fifty dollars yeah. for your favorite player's coat. <laughs> it's it's coming, but people are yeah. going to pay it. Um, and the unfortunate part is that like oh it'll be more no it'll be more than that. It, she's doing these solo by hand. So unless she's outsourcing like the creation of these, these are like a la carte or what do they what do they call that in the fashion world? I have to check with my wife what they call it, but uh, couture. Mm-hmm. These are all couture pieces. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Couture. They're couture pieces. <laughs> you you watch The Bachelor? You tell me. It's got to be on there oh, somewhere. Oh shit! Don't be talking. Don't be talking. <laughs> First of all, we gotta we gotta get the we gotta get the wags on that dude. This season of the batch, I'm, I'm telling you, it's gonna be the most dramatic ever. It, it's it's pretty crazy. There's, there's a lot of ever? crazy. I would have gotten more behind the one with the old man on it because I feel like that was more. Did you true? No. So why no. are you talking? <laughs> Don't talk I, about being mad. Then. If <laughs> I had to get behind one, that would have been the one, and I didn't get behind that one either. So pause, pause, pause. That will do it for this episode of Assassin Writer Podcast. Thanks everyone for loving the support. We're gonna be back next week with the Super Bowl extended in-depth preview i'm gonna give the winning argument about why my team for the super bowl my pick kansas city motherfucking chiefs gonna win their third super bowl for the pat mahomes era and you're gonna i guess make a a case for why the san francisco 49ers are being overlooked and disrespected and mvp candidate brock purdy i look forward to it you got seven days all right i don't think one one thing we gotta one thing we gotta touch on is how some people are, are saying that mahomes is the greatest of all time, despite being behind by four. Currently, four and losing two big games to the person who's currently considered the goat. So yeah. the math yeah. ain't mathin'. Uh, we're not talking like different generations, right? Like LeBron, Kobe, MJ, that kind of span different generations. We are talking two players that actively played against each other, and are one we being, was. Are we gonna bring back hashtag goat talk? drastically i mean there is no goat talk we have one goat and we have uh, an aspiring goat we have a kit right a is that what they baby. call a baby goat a kid oh, billy a billy they call oh, him yeah. Billy. all right so we got a little billy and we got a goat uh if one of them stays and plays in the league for another seven to ten years and and gets three more and goes on to the same level of success yeah you need two different dynasties first of all which i think kind of kills the argument no, you can roll your eyes, but that's fact. You had two different occasions in which you were considered a dynasty, which is like one more, more than most teams have ever. Period. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. 
that's a conversation for 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 next week. But that's something just to put on your burner that some people are calling Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback of all time, even though he's about halfway through the current goats' entire career. So, food for thought. Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time. I'll say that over Gronk now, unfortunately. Really? Uh, but I'd have to put him up there. He's about to. T- he, I think he tied. Is it? Yeah, some Jerry Rice or, or... say that for the next episode because I'm yeah. I'm not ready for you to for you to fawn over any Chiefs players right now. I can't I can't do this right now. <laughs> I'm not fawning. I kind of hate the guy actually. I think. Okay, sure. Uh, sure. Next week we'll chat about it. Next week, here we go. Get it. Peace. Peace.